Amen. Grab your seat. Grab your copy of God's Word. Go with me to Matthew 25. But as you turn to Matthew 25, the Lord has laid Psalm 40 on my heart here just as a little extra <laughs> to start off this morning. You can't have too much Word. Amen. This is just a tender word from God, and I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. Maybe it's me, but this is the word from the Lord in Psalm 40. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. He set my feet up on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. So I don't know what situation, what, what scenarios you're facing, or even just as you're trying to kind of shake off some of the lethargy of, uh, of the Thanksgiving weekend and the holiday and all the things that come with the weariness of travel. But God is ready to answer. He's there to bless. If you'll patiently wait for the Lord, incline your ear to Him, He hears your cry. He hears your cry, and He'll answer. The wise person, the blessed man who makes the Lord His trust. So grab your copy of God's Word. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. What did you do with everything I gave you. What did you do with everything I gave you? That's the question that you and I will be asked soon and very soon when we stand face to face with Jesus Christ. Today, as we continue in our series called Ready for His Return, walking through the parables of Jesus' Olivet Discourse, we come to one of the most familiar passages in Scripture when it comes to parables, right? Preachers love to preach this passage. I've preached it in the last decade probably four times. I mean, preachers love to preach this passage, and, and it's one that Christians have heard many, many times. But have you ever heard it preached in its proper context as a parable preparing you for the second coming of Jesus Christ. You see, that's why he spoke it to us in this context, in the middle of this Olivet Discourse. And so here's today's truth that springs out of this. It's this, the second coming of Christ will be like giving account to an entrusting master. The second coming of Christ will be like giving account to an entrusting master. This parable like 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 the other parables we've looked at it's seeking to prepare us for that day and it's a powerful one a very powerful one with i mean just multi just a just a multitude of of applications it's one of those just multifaceted parables the other ones have kind of been one shot okay but this is like a shotgun right i mean hundreds of bullets right hundreds of pellets <laughs> buckshots uh, spraying forth that hits all different areas of our life so follow along with me in your copy of god's word as we read matthew 25 14 through 30 the word of god says this for it will be like a man going on a journey when it says for it that's the second coming of jesus christ for the second coming of Jesus Christ will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, 
to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents? Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also he who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has been, uh, for everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Beloved, the second coming of Christ will be like giving account to an entrusting master. When Jesus Christ comes again, he will ask you, what did you do with everything I gave you? And in light of that thrust of this text here, I want to point you to three realities this morning that help us to get ready to give that account. Here's the first reality. We are all entrusted with many things by our master. Now, in the parable here, he's entrusted money to his servants. I, I know that Jesus uses the word talent here, all right? Talaton in the Greek, it just comes straight over into English as talent. And when we English speakers hear the word talent, we think about our God-given abilities, right? We, we say when someone is, is gifted, particularly at something, we say, oh, I mean, they are so talented. And to be honest, our word talent comes from this Greek word talentos. The idea behind it comes from that Greek word. But here, Jesus is not directly uh, uh, referencing our, our God-given abilities. He's, he's referencing a measure of money. You have to understand that's what a talent was in Jesus' day. It was a certain weight of, of gold or silver. And it was a very large sum of precious metal. I mean, in dollar amounts, to wrap our heads around this, a talent was equal to about 20 Years of income for a regular person. Oh, that's a lot of money, right? Last year, just think about that. The average person in America made $54,000. Now, multiply that by 20 years, and you get just over a million dollars. So when we read here Matthew 25, verse 14 and 15, 
For it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. We have to realize that a talent is equal to about a million dollars today. So essentially, to one he gave five million dollars, another two million dollars, and finally, one million dollars. That means they were all entrusted with a lot. We trusted every one of us, every single one of us, from the least to the greatest. We have been entrusted with many things by our master. We've all been entrusted with a lot, tons of things. Now, we typically break it down into three categories, don't we? We love to alliterate it with three, with three T's, time, talent, treasure, right? All of these things have been entrusted to us by our master. They belong to him. He's given them to us, and we, we, we've, we've been given them for a season. We've all been given time upon this earth. We've all been given talent, which are our natural abilities, given gifts uh, and those things like that from God, these God-given things, right? From our ability to sing to our ability to do math to our ability to cook or, or, or to turn a wrench, or to communicate truths to somebody else. So many other things could be listed. We've been entrusted with, with tons of abilities that we typically think of as talents. And we've also been given treasure, which is the material financial possessions the Lord has given us, right? It's not only your money, although that is your money, right? That, that's part of your treasure. It's everything that makes up your net worth, your home, your, your land, your vehicle tractors and barns and sheds and equipment and and home furnishings and so forth and so on right the, the that, that's what all of your treasure is but it's even more than that it also includes all the knowledge that's been entrusted to you even the children that you've been given the children that you have birthed they are part of your treasure they might not be included in your net worth but they're part of your treasure and we've all been entrusted with many things by our master and one day he's going to return and he's going to ask what did you do with everything i gave you that's the first reality to help us get ready when we have to give that account to jesus christ at his second coming here's the second reality we're all entrusted with unequal amounts. Yes, we've all been entrusted with many things, but we're all not entrusted with the same amount. Again, to say it a different way, we've been entrusted with unequal amounts. Look at verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. And then notice this prepositional phrase. To each according to his ability. Now what that tells us is that the, 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 the master didn't just randomly bestow on these servants these gifts. Each servant was personally thought of, personally considered when bestowing and, and, and putting these things under their stewardship. The one with the most ability was given the most money, five talents worth. The one in the middle ability was given the middle amount, right? Two talents worth. And then the one with the least ability was given the least amount of money, right? One talent worth. 
this is so interesting here, right? It's so important. Check this out. This is, this is one of those take-homes for you. No one received more or less than the master thought they could handle. Let me say that again. No one received more or less than the master thought they could handle. So, beloved, that means that God in His good providence won't give you more to steward than you can handle. Now, when you look around and, and see others, often our flesh, what does it do? It, it drives us to jealousy. Well, I wish I had what they have. Every one of us are tempted to think that way. I wish I had what they have. But this passage reminds us that the Lord knows best. We got to rest in the knowledge that the Lord knows and He's lovingly given us what we have according to our ability. God in His good providence, He won't give us more or less to steward than He believes we can handle. Therefore, we must be thankful and content with what we have. The Lord has blessed you with what is best for you. Now, to further help on this end, and I know that's hard, because our flesh, again, wants to compare. Our flesh wants to say, that's not fair. Or our flesh wants to say, well, I, I, I'm better than they are. I, I could handle that better than they do. Further realize that the greater ability and the greater amount entrusted, it leads to greater accountability. Jesus said it this way in Luke 12, 48. He said, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Guys, that means that when the master returned, he didn't expect ten talents from the one. He had only given one. No, he expected only two. That's all he was accountable for. He expected 10, though, from the one that he had given five. So the one who had been given more was accountable for more. And so as you look around and, and maybe you get frustrated with your measly one talent and you're tempted to say it's just not fair for them to have five and for me to have only one. Beloved, on the day of judgment when Christ returns, one will be enough. Because he who has more will incur a stricter judgment. He, he'll be more accountable. So again, be thankful and content with whatever has been entrusted by God to you. So squash jealousy when it begins to rise up in you. He's given you what you have according to his wisdom based on your Ability. So we're all entrusted with unequal amounts, and that's okay. It's, it's okay. I know the world says it's not. They want to throw out the word equity and all of those things and justice and all that, but know that it's okay for God to entrust people with unequal amounts. In fact, the amount that you've been given is one of the blessings you have from God so that it might not crush you. So we're all entrusted with many things by our Master. We're all entrusted with unequal amounts, but finally here in the third reality is where we are all equal. And it's this. We're all equally expected to maximize whatever's been entrusted to us. 
we're all equally expected to maximize whatever's been entrusted to us. Again, as I just said, we, we've been given unequal time. For some of us, it'll be 20 years. For others, it'll be 80 years. For others, anywhere between or after, right? We're not promised today all are given unequal time. And we're, we're all given unequal talent. And we're all given unequal treasure. But we are equally expected to maximize whatever's been entrusted to us. That's the thrust of this parable. It doesn't matter how much you've been given. I mean, ultimately, that's not our call. That's God's part. That's God's prerogative. So what matters is not what we've been given by God, but what we do with what we've been given. And we see clearly in the text this truth, right? Because both the five-talent servant and the two-talent servant receive the same commendation from the master. Look at verse 16 and 17. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Notice one made more than the other, right? One made a profit of five, while the other only made a profit of two. But they were both given the same commendation from the master on the day of account. Look at verse 19 through 23. Not after a long time, or now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Mark this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And also, he who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, I, I delivered, are you delivered to me two talents? Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done. Same thing. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so what you've got to grasp here is that while they were unequal in their profit, they were equal in maximizing what they'd been given. The master didn't expect the same amount because, again, they didn't have the same ability, they weren't entrusted with the same amount, but they were equally expected to maximize what they had been given, and both did that. And so both heard the very same thing from the master. Well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a little i'll set you over much enter in to the joy of your master so that means the key for you and for me is not necessarily productivity we are to produce but it's not comparing your productivity to my productivity the key rather than that is faithfulness we see it twice right there in the master's commendation well done, good and what? Everybody say faithful. All right. Good and faithful servant, you have been what? Faithful over a little. So they're not equally productive, but they were equally faithful in maximizing the opportunity that the master had given them. Guys, that's what the master was looking for upon his return. And I want to say to you this morning, that's what Jesus Christ is looking for at his return 
when every single one of us will be called to account. That's why the third servant, the one talent servant, received such a harsh word from the master. He was not faithful to maximize the opportunity. Look at verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. And then we read of his day of account there in verse 24 down through 30. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take from him and give to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will who has more, uh, who has will more be given and, and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, just like these other two servants, this servant was equally expected to maximize what the master had given him. And he wasn't faithful. In fact, he was faithless. And because he was faithless, he just took the money from the master and buried it. He didn't lose anything, but he didn't gain anything. He completely squandered the opportunity the master had given him. And because of that, what did the master do? The master threw him out into outer darkness, the Bible says, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so, beloved, God equally expects us to maximize whatever's been entrusted to us. We've all been entrusted with lots of things. We've not been entrusted equally. But we've all been equally called to maximize whatever has been entrusted to us. The second coming of Christ will be like giving account to an entrusting master. Which brings me to a big question. Are you making the most of what God has entrusted to you? Are you making the most of what God has entrusted to you? As one author points out, Scripture's replete with admonitions to take advantage of opportunity while it's available. Solomon wrote, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. And sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. The same man of wisdom wrote, He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Beloved, what all this means is that you do not have forever. You do not have forever. One day, you will give an account. One day, Christ will descend from heaven with a cry of command, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and he coming face to face with you will ask you, what have you done with everything I've given you? What have you done with the time I gave you? What have you done with the time I gave you? The psalmist cried out in Psalm 39, verse 4 and 5, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, I've, I've made my days a few handbreaths. You've made my days a few handbreaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. You must make the most of your time. Christ will say, what did you do with the time I gave you? He also will say, what have you done with the talent I gave you? Solomon cried out with all of his wisdom in Ecclesiastes 9.10. He said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Let me translate that for you. Do the most with what God has given you because soon you will be in the grave. Your time is short and you must maximize what he has given you now's the time to utilize the abilities he's given you to the fullest and what have you done with your treasure I gave you Apostle Paul declared in 2 Corinthians 9 6 the point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully all of these things time talent treasure they've been entrusted to you and in your stewarding of them will you be filled with faith or will you be filled with excuses and then grief the wicked and slothful servant was filled with excuses look at verse 24 and 25 he also who had received the one talent came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. That aspect of this master that should have instilled faith into him. Right? I mean, you, you're reaping where you didn't even sow. I mean, that's the kind of master this guy is. He should have had faith that the master is able to do all of those things. Instead, he took that truth about the master and fell in fear instead. He fell in fear. And then, the Bible says he was filled with grief when the master said in verse 30, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Beloved, when Christ returns, don't be this wicked and lazy servant. Be found faithful in diligence. Give your very best to the Lord. The best of your time, the best of your talent, the best of your treasure. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So faithful diligence, faithful 
diligence is the key. And it will not only lead to abundance, but don't miss this, it enters. It, it leads to entering into the joy of your master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So we don't all have the same abilities or the same entrusted to us, but we all have the same opportunity. So I say to you this morning, don't squander. Don't squander the opportunity God's given you to maximize whatever he's entrusted you with. Throw everything off, y'all. Everything that's keeping you from it. What is it? What's keeping you from maximizing? Throw off laziness. Throw off fear. Throw off settling for mediocrity. Throw off vain pursuits on the day of judgment. How many of our pursuits will show themselves as vain in the end? Throw off faithfulness or faithlessness. Throw it all. Throw off faithlessness. Are you making the most of what God has entrusted to you? If not, then what needs to change? Whatever's keeping you from maximizing what Christ has given you, throw it off so that you can do the most with what God has given you to steward. Be found faithful, church. Be found faithful. Be found faithful with all Christ has given you when he returns. In his poem, Maud Muller, John Greenleaf Whittier, he wrote this well-known line, For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Dear ones, may that never be said over us. Instead, may we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when we see Christ face to face. 